does it spark joy? It's so much easier to get people to like on your team and get people to follow your vision and get people to be, you know, open to change if it sparks joy. Like you're so much more inclined as a human being to do something if it's joyful. So welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hey, my name is Marit. I'm co-founder and CEO of Strize and you are listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Marit. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. How are you? I'm good. Almost summer. So uh, excited to get this done before the holidays. Nice. And then first thing first, can you please tell the listener, what does your company, Strice, do? We are helping banks and other financial institutions to turn AML from being a cost center into a winning strategy. So we have built an end-to-end AML solution, started in the KYB, KYC, part of the value chain. And uh, yeah. And if we pause at Strice for a while and shift the spotlights towards you, who is Marit? Mm, well, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Strice. And uh, I guess in the context of this episode, that's uh, I guess that's who I am. I'm sure there's more entrepreneurs out there who often feel like they are the company it's like a big part of like your identity and who you are so um but yeah i uh excited about ai ml i really enjoy the tech and startup world um enjoy being the ceo and trying to build a company and then in my spare time i like horses and gymnastics and snowboarding and riding my e-bike since you said that Strice was such a big part of your identity. I want to dive a bit deeper with the why. Why did you start Strice? So I did not start Strice because I saw that there was a problem within AML. Uh, we It's such a different background story than a lot of uh -huh. other B2B SaaS companies because usually it's like you see a problem in the market, maybe it's something you have experience with, you go out and you start a company. But Strice was originally a research project at the Norwegian University of Science and Technology on how to use AI, graph technology, natural, natural language processing to analyze and connect large amounts of data. And I th thought that was like really interesting to, to work on. And then it was actually later that we came into the, oh, but the problem we should solve with this technology is, of course, anti-money laundering or AML. And uh, yeah, so it's like the opposite story. It's not the, the, the straightforward one. So it's not textbook. I guess the, I mean, there's so many places I've read like, oh, don't start with a solution. You need to start with a problem. But we actually started with sort of a solution and then we found the problem later. But it has worked out. So, you know, you can do it. You don't have to do everything by the book either. No, I don't think you should do everything by the book. I think outliers can be really successful stories. And uh, now it's time for the segment, 
five quick ones. And uh, here, Marit, you need to be quick. I will say a word and you say the first sentence slash word that pops up to your head. Are you ready? Mm, go for it. Banks. Regulations. AI. More efficient financial crime fighting. Anti-money laundering. Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Podcast. The laundry. And the last one, summer. Vacation. Nice. <laughs> Pablo Escobar regarding anti-money. Yeah, that, that, was a, that was a new one. Moving on to one of my favorite topics, business development. And um, since AI is and have been on everybody's talking points, I want to start with addressing that. Can you please share, Marit, the top two to three ways you work with AI in your business? So we have been working with AI for a long time. And actually yesterday I was looking through some like old blog posts that we had written and I actually saw one from the beginning of 2019 when GPT-2 came out and uh, we started implementing that. So that was actually quite a, a good walk down uh, down memory, memory lane. So I think we built like AI is not just an afterthought that we've started using now. It's like really embedded into the entire tech platform that we have, which is quite comprehensive because it requires quite a lot to build the type of product that uh, that we have built. So we're working on it in our own tech stack all across. Like recently, we've also, of course, started using um, uh, open AIs, APIs for some features. And also we've gotten access to Google's Bard as well. Uh, so we have some features using that, like in the interface and so forth, mainly for summarizing different risk, uh, you know, different money laundering risks and so forth for the users, which is uh, really cool. And then internally, we also uh, tried, well, I guess everyone is using chat GPT these days and the different like image generations and all of that. And I think it's really cool to use these tools for inspiration in your like branding and positioning. So I'm really passionate about that. So I've been using it there too. And then using it a lot in our messaging and new positioning as well, because like AI is the new industrial revolution and especially in anti-money laundering and compliance work it will represent such a huge shift because you can move away from this cost center just adding new people every year every time there's new regulation and doing stuff manual to changing it to really do enhanced uh, like that humans can do enhanced work and turning it into more of a winning strategy so i think that's an area in general where ai will have a huge impact and also we have this like picture on the wall in our office i don't know if anyone's seen it but it's like these two people who are pushing a cart and it has uh square wheels and then ah. someone stands by the road and is like hey like with circular wheels and then they're saying no we don't have we're so busy we don't have time so we're having this all around the office to just kind of remind everyone that like even though you are busy doing something there it might be worth taking a time to pause and just you know Maybe there is a smarter way to do this now. That is a classic picture that I love. And I, I also told my co-founder just a few weeks ago, like, hey, I'm going to take one hour per, per week for the fall to just have a demo with a cool company or dive into a cool something we potentially can buy because you need to buy and invest to grow faster. So yeah, I love that you have that picture. 
Yeah, it's good. And then also we have some, um, I mean, we have uh, some really forward-leaning people on the tech side who are following not not just like AI development for, you know, in, in tech, but, you know, in the application layer across departments too. So we actually have a weekly all-hands meeting with the company. We've done it for like so long now, but, you know, we still haven't even though we're like 30 plus people. And then we have a section every week. It was like how not to miss the AI train. And then someone will like say a few words of what has happened the last week. So I think that's also like a very good way of getting everyone engaged and making sure they feel on board with what's happening. People who are not jumping on the AI train will be the ones not having internet and a web page <laughs> for like 20 years ago. Mm, for sure. This leads me into another critical topic of running a SaaS, and that is KPIs. Yes. Which top KPIs on a company level are the most important for you? We have um, a, this North Star metric, which is, uh, well, it's called reviews, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything to anyone outside of Strice, but it is like a the usage of that first product we go to market with. So every customer we get on board starts with this one customer, no, this one product called Strice Review. And then we have this North Star metric of like how much it's used, number of reviews made. And that is, uh, we actually just did our company-wide OKRs for H2 today. Uh, and then two of the three key results we have on a company level is actually measured like with this KPI. And besides that, like as the CEO, I'm always like metric. You, you love you love the revenue metric, right? Yeah. Uh, and then also, uh, since we sell mainly enterprise now, it's uh, like the pipeline. How much is in the pipeline is such a such a good metric to know if you are like how is H1 2024 is going. You can kind of start seeing those uh, see that now. So that's yeah, that would be the KPIs I measure. Yeah. And when you say pipeline, do is it from you how many like first meetings you have had, or do you measure it by how many quotes you have sent? Where is like? So I mean, yeah, we sell enterprise. So the steps in the pipeline, like leads, but then leads qualified that yeah. we actually spoken to them, qualified that there is a real opportunity there, um, and it's from this lead qualified and onwards that we that I focus or that the metric that I'm the most interested in and then we have like a few steps like solution fit it's one step further and then we have this POC stage and once we get to POC we rarely like I think we have 100% conversion from that stage in the pipeline oh, wow. almost in our core segment but which is why like it's so important to track the pipeline to see that it moves towards this POC but it takes a while with enterprise sales right so you can you get a good sneak peek into the future by tracking it closely. Can you share some of your key cornerstones around building a go-to-market machine, Marit? So I will want to give a big shout out to our head of sales, Mike Connors here, because uh, when he joined Strice, he was such an instrumental piece in putting together our go-to-market. So like we sell a anti-money laundering solution to banks. When you hear that, you usually think, long integrations project, three-year sales cycles. Like it's such a hard segment to break into. However, yeah. we then, like we had built this huge platform coming from the research background, but we had started focusing on this first product, which is automating onboarding of business customers, you know, 
every time a bank gets a new business customer, they need to do a thorough due diligence. And that is possible to do based on just external data that we had in our platform. So we built this product around it. And it's so much like better than the existing solutions out there. But we didn't quite find out how to go to market with it until he started. And he was like, you know what, let's put together a like POC process. We need to just uh, like proof is in the pudding. We then set up a process where we allow banks to test the solution two week free of charge. However, before we go into this testing, we need to make sure that we are aligned on everything like the success criteria. What's the commercial term? terms if the POC is successful have we started with all of the data privacy and like GDPR already before we go into the POCs that checked off so he put together this process for us and it's been so successful and it's you know before you go in like you get allow someone to test it you sit you have a meeting sit down what is it the success looks like after using Strice for a week or two is it time saved is it better quality in your in your onboarding process? Is Are the employees more satisfied using this? So we set some really hardcore metrics and all of these. And then after two weeks, you can always go back to that and be like, yeah, did we meet these criteria? Yes. All right. We have everything in order then. Move on. So that was a big shift for us, putting that process together. And now it's time to move into a bit lighter topic, a fun fact. Can you share something about yourself that at least most of my crowd, the B2B SaaS crowd, don't know about you until now? I did participate in the Norwegian championship in like yeah, show jumping with my, my horse that I had back in the day. Wow. Yeah, that is an unexpected fun fact. Thank you for that. Moving forward to a bit harder topic then, not as fun topic as a fun fact. Mistakes. Worst mistakes. I want to hear your biggest ever business mistake that you, fingers crossed, hopefully have behind you so you are not too emotionally connected to that so you can help me avoid it for myself down the line. Uh, oh, it's hard to like come up with uh, come up with one specific thing. But um, I mean... <sighs> In the early days, I remember buying some like consultancy service for like 20,000 euro and it was like zero ROI. I remember that being felt like such a big mistake. But now in the grand scheme of things, like years later, it's like, okay, that's that's nothing. But it's these small things that I can think about. But back to the go-to-market errors, I think, I don't know, we've done like tried to sell the like position the product wrong, trying to sell it to the wrong kind of team, not fully understanding like who your stakeholders are. And like I said, we came from a research background to a product in the market. That's such a long way, like from the lab to the market. So just in all of those pivots, we've made so many mistakes, but you know, we stuck it through and now we're here. So yeah. That's the only way. Now it's time for something I call a topic of your choice. I will sip it for a couple of minutes and you need to talk about something that you are nerdy and feel passion for. So Marit, the floor is yours. Mm, hard to pick one. Uh, I would uh, either uh, core values and like company culture building or demand the gen marketing and brand building. Both are those two topics I am 
very very like into but i guess uh yeah maybe the the marketing piece so in january last year that's when we like launched our kyc product or like oh pivoted to kyc um and then literally no one knew that we were doing kyc and then uh, our cmo lars joined and he was like guys no one associates us with the category we're in like if a buyer in a bank sits around today and like oh we need a better kyb onboarding they they think about player a b and c and we are none of those like our first job now in marketing is to get on that list we need to be associated with the category and we don't do that by like writing a blog post or writing an ebook that we put behind like like a paywall or you know subscribe with your email to get access we need to really think new here and that's why we launched our podcast which is called the laundry which talks about the fight against financial crime and he was like we need to stick it out every week have an interesting topic it needs to be really great and we need to invest in the production the look the photos the video like Turns out video and photo is one of the most important things for a podcast, right? And he said it will take time, but, you know, it will pay off. And it it did. And there's so many things you can prioritize in marketing, but like building awareness and the brand, I just come back to that's one of the most important things you need to do in the beginning when no one associates with the category you're in. And it has really paid off and it's turned into like a, inbound machine and it's so much easier for me to be hey I'm Marit from Strice do you want to come on this popular show with thousands of people in like of your peers listening rather than hey I'm Marit do you want to buy my AML (laughs) KYB software it's like it's so much better to then be able to reach out with a value you can give to others and then you can you know reach out higher in the organization it sets you up for better both like c-level selling but also you know towards end users and so so that is just yeah, a lot of startups then ask me and like yeah we want to launch a podcast and do you have any tips or should we do this and should we do that when we start our marketing strategy and i'm just like build demand build brand build awareness do this one thing that has big impact and not try to do too many things at once. Like if no one knows who you are, if none of your buyers think about you in the moment when they sit down and think like, yeah, I should get a new software for X, then like you're, you need to fix that first. I love that that I'm hearing that I'm thinking right with my, this podcast, with my second podcast, because I have two reasons for me doing this too. And it's one, I've never been a socio before, so I want to learn from people that is ahead of me. And two, my ICP is within the B2B SaaS segment. So why not create a community? Thank you for a super important topic for early stage founders and leaders to hear and and listening the new way of creating marketing and demand now it's time for a community building part of my podcast and that is an external question it's time for Rickard. Rickard learn at streamify to ask you a question mm. and this is his question hi marit and thank you for letting me ask my question so here it goes how important would you say pricing and packaging are to achieve a successful go-to-market strategy? And how did you handle that at Strice? Thanks. 
Well, pricing and packaging are crucial, as with many other things, but uh, they both like they influence the perceived value and how the customer um, like p- positions you in in their mind. We have tried so many different pricing strategies, and all along we've been quite opportunistic and tried new things and like you know, not been so stuck in like, okay, this is the one pricing, just having that, okay, we will learn, we will for sure make some mistakes. Yeah, now looking back, we have some customers on like uh, a legacy pricing model, sort of say, yeah, too cheap uh, compared to some new ones, but you just need to really, really test and work with pricing. And I think in the beginning of pricing, we were, you know, you start off with like, okay, what do we think it's worth? And like, uh, okay, and you test it, but then further, and you think about your own cost structure, what should it cost? But then further down, you are more, you get more proof points on the like value you deliver. So then it's easier to kind of shift to this like value-based pricing too. But I'm like, we've tried a lot of different things. And like I said, we didn't have that AML background. So it was like hard to really know the, what are the budgets like? It took a time to learn these things. So I'm sure a lot of other people are better at that um, than me. But uh, yeah. Rikard, thank you for the question and Marit for the answer. And now it's time for us to talk a bit about leadership. And one of my first questions here is most likely always a very straight shooting one. And it's maybe hard for you to answer, but your colleagues isn't here. So I will ask you, Marit, are you a good leader? Yeah, like you said, it's much easier if the colleagues get to answer that because they are the, ultimately the ones who who know the answer, right? But I hope I am at least. And uh, I try to be very like people-oriented, spend a lot of time caring about like employees and their well-being and uh, try my best to kind of as effectively as possible communicate the vision and trying to enable a environment of like transparency and autonomy because that's the good thing about being the ceo i'm like i'm like yeah i'm the ceo it can i can decide how i want to have it here it's uh, in my power like it's ultimately up to me so to to kind of uh, show the way and set the direction of uh of where i want this culture to be heading but that being said i feel we have some really good foundations in place at strice like we have our core values that we've had since the beginning really so it's like you are strice, make decisions. The second is smart but uncomfortable. If something seems smart but uncomfortable, you should do it. Third one and final is uh, advantage strice. Unexpected things happen, make them our advantage. And in this weekly all hands meeting, we go through them at the end and try to highlight examples of like, okay, was there any great decisions the last week? Did anyone do something smart but uncomfortable? Did something like unexpected happen and we learned from it? And I think doing that has fostered like uh, the UR Strice make decision. It speaks to autonomy and research shows that people want autonomy in their work to to feel like, you know, to be happy at work and smart but uncomfortable. It kind of pushes the comfort zone and that's also important in feeling like satisfaction at work. And last one too, it's like unexpected things happen. Yeah, there will be so many errors and mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes and like you can say it and then we can move on instead of sitting and despairing. And that also creates like psychological safety. So 
those have helped me a lot. And then in general, I'm super inspired by uh, a quote from Marie Kondo, you know, the Japanese tidy cleaning lady. You know, she says, take all of your stuff, put them in a pile, and then you take, touch one and one item. And when you touch it, you're like, does it spark joy? Yes, keep it. If not, you just like thanks it for its service and move on. And I think this like expression, does it spark joy? It just applies to so many different it applies to work as well it's so much easier to get people to like on your team and get people to follow your vision and get people to be you know open to change if it sparks joy like you're so much more inclined as a human human being to do something if it's joyful so yeah like why does a meeting have to be boring when it can be joyful like literally it's so I don't know, meetings in a business, you know if a meeting is successful if people actually want to show up and they show yeah. up with like interest and enthusiasm. So yeah, I think that guideline, does it spark joy? It's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good one to apply to business too. Yeah, it's a really good one. And maybe, I, I won't promise that right now, but maybe I found one of the snippets in the video parts for this, this episode with does it spark joy? Yeah. Uh, super powerful but we need to move on Marit talking some superpowers I believe that every leader have a few superpowers that is your core strength so what would you say if you need to like narrow it down to one to three things what are your superpowers um I am a very good sleeper so uh, I go to bed, I fall asleep, and then I wake up eight hours later or whenever the alarm bell rings and if you are a CEO and it's stressful it's like nothing gets you in a like nothing cures stress and all of that as as an eight hour sleep. So I feel that is a superpower. So then I wake up like quite energized every day. Uh, and then, yeah, trying to spark joy for the people around me. And then also I'm, I just get genuinely excited about a lot of stuff. And I think that, like, I hope that's, that's, like um, shows, uh, you know, shows employees and, you know, it's uh, rubs off on others as well, because I think there's so many things to get excited about, like when you work in a, when you're so blessed to working in a startup with smart people. So everything from cool new branding, great product features, like using something new, cool on tech, or I don't know, I'm just easily excited about stuff. Turning the ship then to talk about pitfalls because everything isn't happy clappy as a leader. What are the biggest pitfalls being a leader according to you? I think, well, several. Uh, firstly, thinking it's about you. Like if you're a leader, a lot of people want to be a leader and manage people and all of that. And then I'm like, okay, but you do know that being a leader, it's, it's not about you. It's about the other people. So you need to put yourself aside a lot of times. And when you lead people, you need to like manage their emotions and be on the receiving end of that. And again, then you need to be a good in control of your own. So that is one for sure. A second one, I think I'm for sure more of the like leader type rather than the manager type. Like I'm a little bit unstructured. I'm more of a starter rather than a finisher maybe and all of these things. So if you are more in the leader category, you need to make sure that you can like do the management stuff as well. And then I have a very good recommendation actually today. <clears throat> so this book, Scaling People, I don't know if you've read it. I just got it. It's by Claire Hughes Johnson. She used to be the COO of Stripe. 
And if you are a leader and you're like, oh, management, all of this, just just read this book and you'll know what to do. And then if you are more of the like manage manager type, you should be like spend more time communicating the vision and try to be, I don't know, get people more to look at the long term stuff. So yeah, I guess those are my tips. Great tips. And with these ones, we are leaving the segment of leadership and entering the roundup. So we only have a few questions left then. And the first thing here, Marit, is just basically me fishing for other cool guests with help of you. Can you mention one or two other B2B socios that you think are doing interesting stuff and would like to listen to in this podcast? I would like to listen to Henrik Langeland, who is this co-founder and CEO of Enode, which is a Norwegian like energy technology startup. I think they are doing a lot of cool stuff. And uh, now you're talking to yourself, the younger self, like think Marit for four years ago, six years ago. What would you tell yourself the top one to three things that you now know that you didn't know? I would say have more patience. Don't rush into things. Um, know that like takes 10 years to create an overnight success. So why not just like th- think long term right away and uh, not be so eager to measure things so fast. Like it takes time to know if something's successful or not. So yeah, maybe that's also it's like fun. The ol- more fun, the older you get. Good. And talking then about life mottos. Can you share one of your favorite life mottos right now? Mm, I guess like life is now. Spark joy. Uh, document and enjoy your moments. Spark joy. That, that, that expression I've heard so many times now. So yeah, I'm, I'm really narrowing it down now to that. Amazing. And we have arrived to the very last question. Where will Strice be in five years? In five years, then I hope Strice is the synonymous with enterprise anti-money laundering solutions and financial crime prevention and uh, be the global leader and our product being the global industry standard in this uh, industry. And I wish you the best of luck with that. Thank you. And now I'm quickly shifting the focus to you who has been listening. Two quick ones. Number one, if you got any sort of value here from Marit, Please tell a friend or a colleague to listen to the episode with Marit and B2B Socios so they can get value too. And number two, press the subscription button because we have great guests coming here every week. And Marit, a huge, huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Cause I-